Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and return Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to head on over to MyPeaceCorpsStory.com, connect with me on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory, and on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. Additionally, if you have not done so, leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. A five-star review is extremely appreciated, but more than anything, I want to know what you think so I can better serve my audience. Well, guys, if you're listening to this on the day that it was released, yesterday was my birthday. And last year, I gave away the ebook of my book, Service Disrupted, for free on my birthday. Well, a lot of people have purchased it in the past year, so I didn't really feel that I should give it away for free because I didn't want to be like, well, you paid for it, but now I'm going to give it away to everybody. But I am going to actually drop the price down for the next week. I'm going to offer it for just 99 cents for that ebook. Uh, so please, if you like the show, uh, go buy it. Uh, the the profit that I make from that book helps me fund this podcast to pay for web hosting, uh, editing software, uh, to post the the podcast files on, on a server. Uh, it does take money, and I, I do this as a passion project on the side. So if you want to support me as a little maybe birthday present, uh, go buy my book, Service Disrupted, on Amazon. For the next week, it's only going to be $0.99 cents for the ebook. And without further ado, here is the newest episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. This is this is this is this is my my Peace Corps Peace Corps my Peace Corps my Peace Corps story story story. My name is Olivia Danucci, and this is my Peace Corps story. Hey, Olivia, how are you doing? Doing well. How about you? Doing pretty well, and always excited when I can talk to volunteers as they're traveling the world. Uh, it's uh, fun for me to hear about what they're doing uh, outside of the United States. Currently, we're Skyping right now, and you're in India. Uh, I'm in my apartment in Washington, D.C., and thankfully that technology allows us uh, to connect. So excited to hear about your Peace Corps service. Yeah, it's great to uh, share with you and uh, have this conversation. Well, let's start off by letting the listeners of the My Peace Corps Story podcast know a little bit about you. Who is Olivia? What's your background in the United States? And what made you want to do Peace Corps? Yes. So I, um, I'm i originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, shortly after um, high school, I went to college in Boston at Emerson College there. I played basketball and I was involved in um, some social justice work and also as a youth facilitator for international students um, in the U.S. Um, And that triggered my um, ambition to join the Peace Corps. And shortly after college, I worked in local politics for a little bit in Madison, Wisconsin, and then um, embarked on a journey to Morocco that I ended up extending. So I served in Morocco for about three and a half years. Okay. And 
your service in Morocco, did you want to go to Morocco or Northern Africa, or did you have a region specifically that you wanted to end up in? Because I know you were applying right at the tail end of the, the old way of doing the application. Yes. And I actually really liked that. I'm a very indecisive person. And when I have a lot of options, um, it's hard for me to make a decision. Um, I was thrilled to have been chosen for Morocco. I had no idea that I um, would be going there in the region and um, didn't know much about Morocco. And then as I was living there, I felt so fortunate to be um, serving in the only um, current Peace Corps country that was in the Middle East and North Africa. Um, I really got a um, great, I really got great exposure um, to uh, an Islamic country, having a place that um, was viewed and continues to be viewed by the U.S. mainstream media very differently than my experience. So I was really grateful that um, Peace Corps brought me to Morocco. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely glad as well that I did it the old system, uh, because where mm-hmm. I served Burkina Faso, I didn't even know it was a country, so I definitely <laughs> wouldn't have picked it. Uh, but I, mm-hmm. I really appreciate the old way of just seeing where where you land, because I probably would have been like you, uh, having a difficult time picking and choosing. Uh, but there really are no bad choices as far as Peace Corps countries go. Mm-hmm. But I would like to learn a little bit more about Morocco and what exactly you were doing there as a volunteer. Yes. So Morocco is an incredible, incredible country. I recommend anyone to go and visit and live, um, you know, explore, eat. Um, there's a lot um, of culture. The, the, the size of Morocco was about the same size as California and similar population and as well as like the geographical diversity. So um, in the central and north, you have mountains on the coast. You have the, the northern coast is the Mediterranean. The western coast is the Pacific. You have the Sahara Desert in the south um, and a lot of variation in between. I um, was very fortunate to be living in, on a coastal town in Essaouira, Morocco, for my first 27 months of the service. Um, and that's about two and a half hours west of Marrakesh. Marrakesh is pretty well known. Um, and it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, there's an old Medina there. There Again, it's, it's on the coast, so it has this um, combination of beach and then old, um, old city. The culture and the people are laid back and well, very welcoming. I think like the number one word that comes into mind anytime I think of Morocco is hospitality. And um, especially within the Peace Corps community, Peace Corps has been in Morocco for over 50 years and people really know it. Um, language is also something else that comes to my mind when I think of Morocco. Um, people on average speak four or five languages, um, starting with indigenous um, Amazigh language to Darija, which is the Arabic dialect um, in Morocco, and then modern standard Arabic, French, and English. Um, so oftentimes when Americans are speaking in Darija, it's pretty um, well understood that they're probably Peace Corps volunteers. Um, and I really like that um, about Peace Corps, that it sticks to learning the, the local languages. Um, in terms of what I was doing, 
Um, so all of the Peace Corps volunteers right now in the past two years are youth development volunteers, and that's a pretty broad sector, youth development. Um, you can tap into anything from environmental issues to health and wellness, to gender um, and equality, to small business development, agriculture, all of those things can really, um, depending on where you are and where you're serving um, the needs of the community and what um, your local counterparts are um, wanting to work on. So I, since I was in a bigger um, town of about like 70,000, I'd say there was a lot of active associations there that I um, went to right away and started um, seeing what they were doing and what you know types of collaboration we could do. Um, and he worked out of a youth center, Darsh Shabab, um, and had a great group of core students who were um, already had had a good amount of English. So we did some different advocacy projects around so, uh, sexual harassment, volunteerism with an at-risk at youth organization, VETI. Um, I had a lot of focus on women and girls doing different um, training of trainers around leadership, empowerment, healthy lifestyles um, that, that, led, that then led to what I did for my third year. Um, I also did and got to incorporate a lot of basketball and worked with a national basketball organization where I did a school tour all around the country, which is a really cool way to see more of the country. And then one of the highlights was um, helping my host mom to start a cooking class business that is still up and running and um, has welcomed people from over 40 different countries to it in the name of like cross-cultural exchange and um in quotes, food diplomacy, if you will. Wow. So it sounds like it was a very jam-packed uh, three and a half years for you. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and again, it depends um, totally on where you are and who you meet and the, the different organizations um, you're with. Because I was in a bigger town, people were very active and open to um, collaboration, Um but at the core, I think the daily interactions um, with the locals, my your local shopkeeper, having a lot of tea and couscous and meals with, with people, again, going back to that hospitality, really opened up a lot of doors to um, collaborate and work on um, lots of different projects. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting that you said you know, your community was about 70,000 people. Uh, mm -hmm. for, for me, I mean, that seems massive given where, mm -hmm. where I serve and even actually where I just grew up in the United States in a more rural community. So 70,000 people. Did you feel that you really lived in a community of 70,000 people or you were in a community within a community, maybe neighborhoods or regions of, of that city? And how did you kind of, I guess, define uh, the extent or perimeter of, of your service? Yeah, it's interesting because Essaouira is the type of town where once you live in it for a couple of weeks, you really do feel um, welcomed and kind of ingrained in the community, even though it's very large. I think, again, because of the hospitality piece, like people know, I think people in the circles that I was wanting to be in knew other great people. And so that network of um, 
local change makers was very strong. And I did feel pretty entwined, intertwined within the community, even though it was very large. Um, I, I had a bike and was constantly on it going, going to and from different parts of, of the community. And I um, really kind of like took to heart that integration piece of, pe- of Peace Corps of like that in the beginning, really getting integrated with your community and not so focused on like, what am I going to do? What are my numbers going to look like? What is already defining success before I even had like those initial conversations? And I really did try to get out every day and talk to as many people and um, have as many cups of tea or take a new way to the market or to the other part of town just to kind of like begin that that the relationship building, knowing it was a large town um, and knowing that like it could very well have been like a much smaller community that I had, but I really um, embraced the um, small town feel in a larger um, city. Okay, well, that helps me sort of understand how you you tackle such a a large location uh, for for your site. And you had a a host family, correctly? You lived with a Mm -hmm. Moroccan family? Yes. So I, for community-based training, um, for the first three months, I was with one host family that that was um, in the north of Morocco. And then in my final site, I stayed with my host family for two months and then lived in an apartment on my own, but still saw them five to six times a week easily. Okay, so you started off with the host family at your site mm-hmm. and then transitioned away. Is that something normal for uh, volunteers in Morocco? Yes, definitely. I think there was only maybe one person in my, um, yeah, definitely there was one person in cohort of over 100 that stayed with the host family the whole time. Okay. Yeah, for us I don't I don't think it was an option either you you had one mm. or you didn't and that's the way it was mm. for those 2 years. Okay, interesting. Mhm. And what did your what did your apartment look like? I mean, was this uh like a two-story building, three-story, flat level? Like what what does what does an apartment look like as a Peace Corps volunteer? Yeah, so again, I um being in Essaouira, it's it's a pretty touristy town as well. So there are a lot of guest houses and re, which are called riads, and a lot of people from Europe, the U.S., other parts of the world actually like lived in my town. So that was another um, aspect of of a community within a community. Um, so that the apartment that I had was very nice. Um, it was like I had a hot water shower that was solar powered. Actually, um, had um, electricity, Wi-Fi, um, the whole nine yards. And in Wi-Fi in Morocco was quite common for all Peace Corps volunteers to have, even in areas where um, the resources were much more limited than the town that I was in. Um, access to Wi-Fi was um, pretty common. Um, but again, my apartment being in the town that it was is representative of that town, I would say. Um, and so... Yeah, and it was, you know, a five minute walk or bike ride to the beach as well. So it was it was definitely somewhere I really miss calling home. Mm-hmm. Uh I can I can definitely sense that as as you were uh, explaining <laughs> it and just being in your community and with everything that you, you did as a volunteer, uh there are events that you get invited to uh 
being who you are as the volunteer in the community and cultural experiences and sometimes just off the wall things. And you had an experience where you got to uh, meet and spend time with Meryl Streep, uh, which <laughs> uh, as soon as I as soon as I read that, I was like, "What?" Uh, so can you can you explain a little bit about uh, meeting and hanging out with Meryl Streep? Yes. So it's interesting. So I um, after my first twenty seven months in Essaouira, I um, did as I was saying, I I did a lot of work around um, women and girls and. Also had a lot of exposure, although I was living in a larger town, I did have a lot of exposure to more rural areas, um, helped coordinate a health peace hike where we walked over 100 miles um, on the coast and into different rural villages. And then also host family was from a rural area outside of um, Essaouira. So really having that um, diverse, diversity was nice, especially being in a larger town. But then I moved um, from my third year to a small village outside of Marrakesh where I was living in a much more, um, it's considered semi-rural community and in a small village. So kind of like making that shift from Essaouira there was was very, very different. But I was specifically a field manager um, for a girls NGO there, um, Project SOAR, and how I was how the Meryl Street uh, had come into it. At the end of my 27 months, as I was going home for the, um, the, the break that Peace Corps gives to you, if you extend a third year, um, I was asked to be part of Michelle Obama's launch of Let Girls Learn in Morocco and was asked to um, nominate a couple of girls that I had worked with um, for this initiative that would be around the launch of Let Girls Learn, but also a documentary film. And so I had nominated a few girls from Essaouira, but then also a few from Project SOAR because I was going to be transitioning into that role. And I was then became kind of like a Peace Corps liaison between uh, Peace Corps, the U.S. Embassy, the White House, and then the CNN film crew in Girl Rising. So what they were coming to do, they were in Morocco and Liberia, um, and they were coming to document the life of a girl in these two different countries and, again, bringing more awareness to girls' education. And when they did the filming in Project SOAR, that was when um, Meryl Streep had come and got to spend some time with her. But then also we had a dinner the night before Michelle Obama would be coming and it was during Ramadan, so we were all breaking the fast. And I got the pleasure of sitting at her table with um, six other um, amazing Moroccan girls. And we broke fast together. And it was really a special moment because that was my third Ramadan that I had been celebrating. And Ramadan has always been one of my um, favorite times in Morocco. It's very community-based and very, um, you know, it's obviously a religious um fast month of fasting, but as a non-religious person, it was like a really great way to be part of the community. And so this time breaking fast with Meryl Streep and having her, having the girls (laughs) explain what Ramadan was and then have me there to to like hear her observations of that in Morocco. um, That was really, really exciting. Um, And so that actually all took place the week 
before I was going to back home to the States. Um, so I actually like met Michelle Obama and shook her hand and then got on a plane a couple of hours later in the same clothes I was wearing. Um, and then I came back to Morocco actually. And after that, um, home leave and I got a call from my country director saying, what do you think about going back to the States in October um, around the International Day of the Girl? They were wanting to bring all the girls back who were part of Let Girls Learn and We Will Rise um, for a screening of the documentary and the White House and a week-long Let Girls Learn exchange program. And so I was like, of course. Um, so it was incredible. I then was like the, the mentor of this, the, all of the Moroccan girls who went over to the U.S., um, for a week and I had a week of <laughs> a week of a lifetime for me and I know it was very similar for a lot of the girls um, and got to meet again Meryl Streep and Michelle Obama and the amazing producers of Girl Rising um, and a lot of other people who had worked on Let Girls Learn Initiative um, from like Michelle Obama's team but then also from Liberia and Morocco. So it was an incredible week and it was just actually two years ago this week because it's International Day of the Girl um, was a few days ago. So it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a, not something that typically happens in your Peace Corps service. So I've been very fortunate for it, but it was an incredible um, experience to be part of. And, and I thought my my lunch with the ambassador that I had during my service was cool. Uh, <laughs> nope, not in comparison to that. No, we all have. I always say, I mean, like that. Those were such climatic moments, and you know, I'll of course remember them uh, as, as as highlights. But really, like when I look back on Peace Corps, it's. I, I know this might sound corny, or oh, she's just saying this, but like the little interactions with the the people and. The relationships I've maintained still to this day are really what I um I I, I think about of the most. And while those were incredible, like the all of the things leading up to them and after were really um really incredible memories that I have and really formative in my life. So um I, I, I don't ever lose sight of that as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely understand that. I feel that the things that we tend to lean on as our, our Peace Corps stories are the things that, like that Meryl Streep meeting Michelle Obama and that whole experience, but the stuff that really, really means a lot to us, like doesn't necessarily make a good story. It doesn't come across that mm-hmm. way of the afternoons of dr- drinking tea and just talking mm-hmm. to someone. It, it's It's not the greatest story, but it has some of the biggest and longest impact. Exactly. And I think that that's the essence of Peace Corps. It's not a month long or even a year long trip or, you know, voluntary excursion. It's really that like 27 months is for a reason. And, and I think, you know, obviously like I, I even extended past that because once you think of two years going in, it seems long. But then once it's happening, you understand why it's so important, like coming and going and checking off a box that you lived in a country or you were exposed to this and that is like is not the reason why a lot of Peace Corps and volunteers do it. I can't just speak on behalf of myself, but like I think there's such 
crucial reasons of why it's that immersion piece, like not only learning a language, but learning about of a people and a culture and like what the, the, the knowledge sharing instead of this, like come in and do and leave kind of thing. Like, whereas like it really is about that collaboration and that learning is one of the biggest things that we take that we get from the experience and, and that doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. It seems like you, you, you did a lot, you took a lot away from Peace Corps, but do you have any regrets from your service? Something that you would have done differently or wished you focused on more uh, during your time in Morocco? Yeah, it's interesting as I, I got back a little over a year ago and I think I'm going to be processing those three and a half years for the rest of my life. Um, One thing I do wish I had spent more time on um, would be learning modern standard Arabic. So we learned Arisia and I love that we learned Arisia. It's the the spoken language of, of, of the people of the Moroccan people that were in my community um, I, I wish I would have spent more time. I had an amazing tutor and she was totally able and willing to teach me modern standard Arabic to read and write and speak it um, because I have a desire to um, explore more of the meaner Middle East or North Africa and would love to be able to communicate more with um, people there. And a lot of times modern standard Arabic is is the, the thread that connects them all. Um, so that is one thing. However, if I would have focused more on that, it would have taken away of some of the other things that I was doing there. Um, and, and I really did try to focus on living in the present as much as I could, um, which I really enjoyed. Other things I can't think so much of, of, of now. I, I know there are like, personal things that I think I definitely would have done differently and it would have done differently. But, um, what specifically speaks to me is the, is the language learning. Mm-hmm. And do you have anything, I mean, th- this is probably going to be a, a very, a very long list. I know it is for me, but that you, you miss about your Peace Corps service. Oh goodness. <clears throat> yes. I, I, of course, I miss meal times. <laughs> there, the food in Morocco, I can't say it enough, is, is really incredible. Not just because it tastes great and there's a lot of diversity in it. There, it's, um, the produce in parts of Morocco was very rich and vibrant. Um, but what goes into it? I mean, it is a culture of there's always another room, with another spot at the table. There's always another cup of tea. There's always another loaf of bread. Um, to share and give. And because of that, that was really what sparked my um, longing to do something with my host mother, who is an incredible um, woman. And both of my host parents are just, um, they have been Peace Corps host family, host parents for over 10 years when they originally were in the countryside and then now in Essaouira, um, Hussein and Khadijah. And they've welcomed hundreds and hundreds of people now into their home through these cooking classes. And it was kind of rooting in this, this idea that like I 
when I was thinking of, of tourists coming to, to Morocco and, you know, experiencing Moroccan food in restaurants or Riyadh's or like touristy areas, they would be missing such a big part of Morocco, of the culture and of the, the experience that I wanted that to really be the more of the world to have exposure to that. Um, and that is something that, I miss about like having those times around the, the, the table together. Um, the community, I mean, you, it's really amazing to walk down the streets and like have people that you know and trust be there for you, whether they're friends, whether they're colleagues, whether they're teachers, whether they're little kids, whether they're, you know, no matter the age, no matter the, the, the education background or the, where, <clears throat> what part of town they're from or if they're from the countryside coming in, like you really do get ingrained in that community that I, that I will miss. Um, and also the, the community, the broader Peace Corps community of volunteers, a lot of volunteers came through Essaouira, um, especially when they brought their family and friends to visit Morocco, they would come to Essaouira. They would go when they were coming and going through the North or the South. It was, a uh, uh accessible place to come through and I really got close with a lot of them um and I remain really close with them as well um so I, I miss yeah I'd say food and community are two are two big things um one other thing I'm really grateful for though is that my host mother I nominated her for a program that would bring her to the U.S. through the um the State Department and Exchange Program that is for young professionals or for IVLP, it's International Visitors Leadership Program. And she came for small business development for the cooking class business, Khadija's Cuisina. And so I actually was able to welcome her in the U.S. when she first arrived in D.C. and then also met her when she was in Denver. And we were at the top of the Rocky Mountains together. So that was another really amazing um, highlight that I have and something that what after missing Peace Corps for over a year, I, you know, your, your heart just like lights back up when you have someone who, um, from your Moroccan home coming over here and you were able to have a little bit of rule reversal in terms of welcoming into welcoming them into your home and your, your country. So you have food, community, <laughs> and uh, I guess the experience of, about your your host mom being able to come over. Uh, now mm -hmm. back onto food, just for my own curiosity, because I was thinking, mm -hmm. you know, as you were talking about Moroccan food, I've eaten at Moroccan restaurants. I have a, a pretty a, a general feel for Moroccan food, but that would be lunch and dinner food. What mm -hmm. what what is a Moroccan breakfast? That's a great question, and that was actually one of my favorite things to do: wake up early in the morning and ride my bike into the center <clears throat> Medina and see all the shopkeepers um, start their day always with a pot of tea and bread and olive oil. Um, so bread is definitely the core of cuisine. It's used as it utensils instead of fork and spoon. You'll, you'll break the different parts of bread and scoop up um, normally a tagine or which is like a stew within a clay um, clay vessel. Um, but in the mornings, typically you'll have bread with some fresh olive oil. Morocco is so rich in amazing olive oil. 
um, or or some butter that's lathered on there. And um, I really like it with some then some honey drizzled. So that's very typical. Um, there's also many types of breads. So in the town that I was from, it would be called butts boat. Um, this really fluffy. It was made on uh, the top of a griddle, so not baked. Um, there was other things called bugrer, which is a spongy kind of pancake. There's milli or mincinmen, which is kind of a flaky, buttery, um, layered tortilla, um, and, and plenty more. Um, so you'd um, typically have one of those with your butter and or olive oil and honey. There's also a delicious um, omelet made with, again, in the tagine, which again is that clay vessel that is has a has a bottom dish part and then a kind of a triangular funnel um, that keeps the heat and all the spices in. And that um, omelet is made with tomato, like stewed tomatoes, a bunch of onions, and a ton of spices. And then the eggs are cracked on top and are cooked um, just right. And then you take, again, your your bread and um, dip it in the, the piping hot omelet. That, and then with your cup of tea or a nusnus is the coffee. So it's a half, half, uh, half coffee, half milk. Um, and that's, that's something that is great to have in the mornings. Another popular breakfast thing is, um, is, is a basara is a, uh, a soup made from fava beans that are pureed with, again, some fresh olive oil on top and some spices put on there. So yeah, those are the three mains, but without a doubt, bread, and olive oil and tea is the staple. And then um, those other ones are a little more advanced, but equally as delicious and a great way to start your day. Well, thank you for sharing those. I am most definitely hungry now. Uh, I was a little <laughs> bit starting this episode, but you have definitely cemented that. Uh, so, so thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you learned a lot in your Peace Corps service. You experienced a lot. But do you have maybe some takeaways of something that, that you learned that has stayed with you or something that has really impacted you in the past year as you've moved away from Peace Corps service and transitioning now to your, your next stage in life? I think the main takeaway is valuing and allowing time to develop strong relationships and partnerships with local counterparts. Oftentimes I think either Peace Corps volunteers or development workers or other people who are working in communities that they're not from often come in with their own agenda. And I definitely think that true change comes within the communities and there may or may not have to be a, a change even um, that just, again, that learning and, and knowledge sharing can be enough um, and to not get cut off, cut, caught up in numbers or what we think of as success um, for maybe where we came from. Um, but that our local, the, the people in your communities, whether that's your host mother, brother, sister, father, whether it's a local teacher or craftsman or shopkeeper, that their lived experience and their um, ideas and their knowledge is is worth 
sharing with you and with other people in the community. Um, so I definitely think that is the main takeaway that I will continue to take with me in, in whatever work I do, but then also um, spread to other Peace Corps volunteers. Um, and another one, just like enjoying your time going to Peace Corps. I mean, there are going to be challenges. There are going to be things that you are comparing yourself to other volunteers or things you miss back home, but like just really appreciating the moment and um, appreciating the, the privilege that we have to be able to go into communities, be welcomed into communities um, and, and, and learn um, and, and, and grow ourselves. So really appreciating that, that privilege I think is important. I, I completely agree. I've had a great time listening to your stories, learning a little bit more about Morocco, your service there. Before we close out the show, do you have anything else that you would like to share with the listeners of the My Peace Corps Story podcast? Uh, keep listening. I think it's so important to hear from more and more experiences of Peace Corps volunteers because everyone's is so different. Um, you could be in the same site, in the same country, in the same sector, and have a completely different experience. So I think that the more we hear, um, the more variety and the more we learn about these for volunteers' experience, but also the, the communities that they're in. And I do think that, that as our, our world becomes more and more divided, the Peace Corps, um, like, core mission is, is that friendship and that learning through these experiences is helping ourselves broaden our minds and learn more and also the people in our circles and that we really can learn so much from each other. And the more that we open our minds, the more communities will open up. So, yeah. Well, keep listening, keep sharing stories. I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, that's why I do this podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time to, to share your stories with me. And in closing, do you have a favorite quote or local saying that you would like to share? Yes. Well, first of all, I want to thank you because I really love listening to um, other Peace Corps volunteer stories, and I'm so glad that there is a podcast set up for this. Um, so really and truly thank you, Tyler, for doing this. My quote that I will end with is from my language and culture facilitator, Abdo. He's now a regional manager in Morocco, and he says, it's not just life, it is life. And I really, um, he said that in the beginning of, of my training and that's has stuck with me through my service and 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 after and beyond so it's not just life it is life and and how would that sound in, in local language i think <laughs> it's been a while i may have butchered that but something oh, I, along those lines i completely forgot all my local language so it is it is okay <laughs> and and one last thing the another favorite phrase is mashimushkil means no problem so <laughs> it's no problem i guess we've forgotten a lot of what we learned <laughs> yep uh, we remember the important things that's what matters 
Olivia, thank you for taking time with me. Enjoy your time in India uh, and whatever you have next in store. Uh, it has been a pleasure, and I think the listeners will find a lot of value in your, your stories, your experiences, and some of the life lessons that you took away. Hopefully, they can take them to heart and carry them with uh, their service as they're going into it, those serving. And it is still an important message uh, for people who are after their service to stay connected to their community share stories and take time to listen to one another so thank you again and i look forward to to seeing where you travel next thank you so much thank you again and there you have it, another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to the show so you receive a new episode every single Tuesday when I release them. And don't forget, as I said at the beginning of the show, for the next week, I have dropped the price of my ebook from $6.99 to only $0.99. Cents. Please, if you like the show, if you want to hear more about my Peace Corps service, uh, go check out my book, Service Disrupted, available on Amazon. And as always, remember, every volunteer has a story. What's yours?